What's going on, Mr. Todd? Everything, man. What you doing? Just chilling right here, trying to get all these kinks worked out for the interview, but I'm going to get my first one, but I think it'll be all right. People been talking, and it made me scratch my head. I said people been talking, and it made me scratch my head. How you doing, folks? My name is John Tavius Willis here, and thank y'all for tuning in to Diddy Why Diddy. And I'm so, so glad to have my friend, the great Taj Mahal, on for an interview. Um, I met, I called him Mr. Taj, by the way. Uh, I met Mr. Taj back in 2015, and he has been uh, instrumental in my career, especially in the beginning. And I must say, uh, I really do appreciate him for all that he's done and the wisdom that he gave and the inspiration that he's given me as well. And, man, I, I can have countless, countless hours, just countless hours talking to this man on the phone and uh, uh, sharing knowledge. And we talking about songs and talking about different artists that he met. And, uh, man, I, I, I could go on and on and on about him. But you just sit back and enjoy this uh, interview. And, hey, tell me what you think. It's such a pleasure to have you with me, Mr. Taj. Uh, man, I, I, I could say a story, but we can just get right into the stuff. So how you doing today, Mr. Taj? I'm doing fine, John Davis. Uh, everything's going good. I'm uh, healthy, safe, and at home. Oh, that's, that, that's good. <laughs> uh, so well, what are you doing during these time to uh, keep busy? I don't need to keep busy. I don't have 57 years of keeping busy. I've been <laughs> just <laughs> actually just. Uh, looking after my own personal health and welfare and well-being, getting rested and doing a bit of exercise and communicating to family and business and uh, I've been able, I've learned how to uh, to do Zoom. So we yeah, have Skype, Zoom, you know, FaceTime and all that kind of stuff is happening with with family and and other people. And I'm not playing too much, but I've been listening to a lot of music and sharing a lot of music with a lot of people. Oh, that's that's beautiful. Yeah, I always enjoy your uh, your emails and messages on on the new music. You you keep me hip to a lot of stuff I didn't. I otherwise wouldn't know nothing about. Oh well, you you say so. I really appreciate it. Oh, no problem. Well, let's do a, a quick backtrack. Um, how did you get into music in general, and 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 when did you find out your love for the blues? Well, um, in the music, I don't ever remember. I don't. There's not a day in my life that music has has been a part of. And both, both my parents were musical. My mother was from the, you know, the Carolinas, you know, songbird tradition and you know, gospel and Baptist music tradition. And an educated woman, and my dad's people came to New York from uh, the islands in the Caribbean, from St. Kitts and Nevis, and he was classically trained and became, was a was a bebop, jazz, and swing piano player and uh, composer. And so we had a lot of music around the house when we were growing up. So my dad, you know, had records, and we had a 
we had a piano and he played the that and my mother sang in you know, church and and recitals and whatever that kind of thing but the culture at the time to me was very musical and the blues was pretty much couched inside of you know say Basie's music or uh you know jimmy lunsford's music or even inside of sister rosanna thought so I could always hear a little bit of it. And, you know, the radio was something that I was, I was a radio kid, so I listened to a lot of music, and I'd hear different things that sounded, you know, just more more um, uh, fundamental, I could put it that way. And then as the 40s came to close, there was an awful lot of Louis Jordan and Wynonie Harris and uh, Slim Galen and Slam Stewart and all those kind of people like that. And uh, I would, you know, you hear, you hear the music. And, but then, and the singer, you know, guitar player, singer guy came to me more toward the years that uh, I would say Jimmy Reed um, was probably like one of my first really big guitar players mm-hmm. that I really liked. I really like, I liked his whole sound. Jimmy Reed was real, was real popular. And then you heard things come through, like, say, country music that it, I could tell by the form that, that that was a blues form, that that guy just didn't know how to sing, sing the bluesy way, but he sang it his bluesy way. Yeah. You know what I mean? You know, like, uh, say, uh, oh, give me a single tune that, that's, that's real common, John Henry or sitting on top of the world or, you know, tunes like that, you know, that people pass back and forth between different traditions of music. But really, so it was a certain kind of, you know, boogie-woogie also, too. I heard a lot of boogie, because my father being a piano player, heard a lot of boogie-woogie piano players. So you heard the blues in that, you know. But, you know, the examples of it, of it actually playing in front of me, didn't come till I was around 14, 13, 14. Mm-hmm. And my neighbor came in from North Carolina and he found out I had a guitar and I couldn't play it at that time. Mm-hmm. But he could. And I brought it out for him. And, and uh, yeah, he showed me all the tricks about playing. So I was, I was like a boxy to him. You know, and I played, uh, you know, said, played, played, taught me how to play the figure and basic Jimmy Reed riffs on the guitar, mm-hmm. and then he would he would flash out with all the lead stuff, oh, and uh, so that that was kind of basically what it then and then down the block from me, I had some uh, uh, some brothers that uh, had come from Clarksdale, Mississippi, mm-hmm. and uh, I used to hang out with them and that's the day that's my friend uh, his older brother, one of his older brothers, the second oldest brother. Uh, Ernest to play boogie children. <laughs> he retuned the he retuned the guitar to what he called C natural, uh, you know, which, which was Spanish, right? Open open G, and he commenced to playing boogie children like it was supposed to be played, you know. And so, you know, like that, and, and you know, like but I just, just you know, of course, every kind of bluesy kind of sound. In R and B or or mostly in R and B, and then even in rock and roll, Chuck Berry and Fat Domino and you know and 
Smiley Lewis. I was a really big fan of Smiley Lewis. Man. And Nappy Brown and yeah, guys like that that were born in the tradition of the blues. You know, and then I didn't hear that much T-Bone or BB, but I did hear some. I think he'd deal with somebody's house playing marbles in the backyard, and, and you know, the girls and girls up there get their hair fried and, you know, BB singing in the background, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Monday was, uh, I'll tell you what, well, Count Basie, Big Joe, Joe Williams, that sang, not Big Joe Williams, but Joe Williams that sang with the Count Basie band. Mm -hmm. He was somebody I heard doing the blues. Basie, Basie had a real, real bluesy sound to his band. That, that, that's what I like, you know. But I began to think at some point, I said, no, they didn't just start doing the band like that. They must have started out with something else. And I think the movement really came. For me, I mean, when there was a lot of guitar players, but then when I went to the University of Massachusetts, it was during the time that the whole kind of folk music thing was going on, and uh, they, were, they were beginning to, you know, stretch out and include the blues into that whole folk thing. And so there were record stores that were around that I went down to. I saw all these records by all these you know, these, these black blues players, and it was like, wow, what's all this? I was buying CDs when I was over there in Springfield when I was growing up. Yeah. <laughs> but it didn't bother. I mean, that's the first place I saw Robert Johnson's record, and heard Robert Johnson's record. And I'm real, and I'm real, because I kept thinking, I'm saying, you can't tell me that this genre of music is dead with all the black people in the, in the United States. But, I, you know, I didn't know where to find it. You know, I mean, probably should have just got on the Greyhound bus and going south. That would have solved my problem right there. But nonetheless, I began to find all these records. I was really, I was quite amazed that these folks were actually being recorded. Well, why would they record the records? You know, because you didn't hear them on the radio. I couldn't figure out, you know, because to me, the way the record business had come around, that it, it was all about people who didn't record unless they were going to try to make some money out of it. Yeah. You know, I knew that it was another kind of a tradition, you know, that had nothing to do with somebody who sit here, play because your ancestors sent you, you know, sure. and that was that, you know. But anyway, you know, so a lot, came, a lot of, and a lot of those music started traveling around. There were lots of coffee houses then and smaller venues. So I got to see people like Mississippi John Hurt and Brownie and Sonny and Elizabeth Cotton and Sleepy John Estes, the Gang Rachel and uh, J.C. Burns. Oh, yeah, and, uh, nephew, yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I knew J.C. real good. Saw him a whole lot. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, yeah, Fred McDowell and uh, Reverend Robert Wilkins, you know, and... Uh, Reverend F.K. Kilpatrick, you know, and uh, Mabel Hillary and Betsy Jones and the Georgia Seattle singers, but there was a young woman that was singing in that band named Mabel Hillary. Mm. I'm crazy about Mabel Hillary. And Bernice Reagan, you know, Dr. Bernice Reagan, that sang with Our Sweet Honey in the Rock. Mm -hmm. You know, so all this stuff was coming, all these people were coming around, and people were discovering this in Sun House and 
You know, I got to see all these different people again, all of them, and pretty soon it got built up even that much bigger. But, but the, but the music, I just, I, I just like that feel. So I, I would have to say that Jimmy Reed was really a strong one to give, to give me the, that, that real, that a certain kind of feel of the guitar. You know, and I mean, just that feel, because it was, it was like a dance music when I was growing up. So, I mean, it was, you know, it was not a sit-down music. It was the dance music. But then, you know, I came up on Lightning Hopkins and, you know, and just a whole bunch of these other, other players, you know, Mass Lipscomb and, you know, I mean, start thinking about all of them. Mississippi John Hurt, who I just adored, you know. And, because uh, in the midst of everybody pulling and yanking on strings in Mississippi, uh, Mississippi John Hurt played a whole other way, you know. The the guitar more. To me, that sounded more forgiving in terms of the way that tumble, that, that stubble, I used to call it stubble pick, stubble pick, they call it finger pick. Mm. It always has, it always, you can always kind of see a, an African ancestor, well, then eventually, of course, you know, was able to connect, them, connect the dots between them and, and you know, Tumani Giabate and all this big core music and Goni music and all that. But yeah, I mean, it, it just, I just loved, I loved the music itself, you know, I mean, it just, it felt so, felt so perfect with me and, and it was the perfect expression and it always excited me that, that, you know, in the midst of all this misery, we still could figure out some way to come up with something that was as beautiful as I remember we was on the bus. I forget where we were coming from, but it was late or early, whatever way you want to say it. But um, and and you were up, and I came up there, and you were like, "This song is so good. Listen to it." And you let me hear a uh, little rain by Jimmy Reed. Oh, 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 oh yeah. Oh, oh, oh man, solid. Are you kidding me? <laughs> that, that, that's a tough song. That's so tough. So um, that's not low hanging fruit, man. Mm -mm, mm -mm, that's for sure. What kind of impact? Did uh, North Carolina have on you as a musician and as, as a black man? You know, spending time in North Carolina, how how did that affect your relationship with the guy that you would meet during the quote unquote rediscovery? Like, how, how would that influence those interactions that you had with him? Well, I, I mean, basically, it gave me the harmonics of the guitar. But I'm looking at it from you know, as a 78 year old man looking back. What was just magic to me, it was all magic to me. You could tell me that this wasn't the greatest music in the world, you know, put out by the greatest people on the planet. That was where I was at. Yeah. That's where I was at with still am, yeah. you know. And uh, uh, it just, uh, the harmonics of the guitar, though, was what really, really helped me a whole lot. And that's what my friend Lynn Paris, who was the, the brother that I was learning from at that time. And, uh, you know, that was what I did. I learned how to, uh, you know, I just learned and just the whole sound of the guitar harmonics, you know, and what they felt like and how it felt for me to play and to listen, you know. The sound impressed itself real deep in my head. And the tempo, you know, I started noticing, because, I mean, I had been by then, by that point, 
I had been listening to you. I listened to bebop, jazz, and swing, and gospel, and you know, classical, all kind of stuff. But what felt like mine, me, you know, was was discoveries. I mean, Jimmy Reed, he couldn't take keep me away from that. Still can't, you know. Like you know, just it's just like it's amazing music. But no, you know, I mean, and also too. My interest in agriculture, you know, was, you know, I saw that, so that basically there was two, two things that people were, if you were looking for a job or to make a job or build a job or create a job, there's two things that people are not going to really do away with. One of them is music and the other one is agriculture. You know, agriculture and music are highly connected and they were connected in our ancestral past and they're connected in our ancestral present. So I've always been open to farmers. I've never looked down on farmers like a lot of people are urban and they look down on farmers the same way they some people sophisticated and get bush parts and look down on the blues. You know, no. My discovery of Zora Neale Hurston was always was phenomenal because she really was that same way too. It was nice to meet somebody who was writing and a literary person who, like herself, really appreciated these older, unsung, but, you know, unbelievably resourceful people. You know, music is, for me, it just, just kept me open to, to the whole thing, you know, to rural agriculture and farming and what people knew that you needed to do to sustain life. For sure. I mean, I, I'm, I'm 100% with that. You know, being down here in Georgia, my granddaddy was a farmer. And it was a righteous thing to get up on a Sunday or a Saturday evening, go out and pick some uh, corn and, and shuck them and silk them and then eat, yeah, them, the, yeah. eat them the next day. You know how gratifying that is? You know? <laughs> yeah, I know. People don't understand, you know. They don't understand. Say, all right, well, we're we going we to be ready. All y'all wash up for dinner summer. You know, you know, you know, so and so go out there and, and bring me bring me about a half a dozen tomatoes and I need a hand of lettuce yeah. and pull me some of them onions and that garlic out of there. <laughs> yes, you, know, you know, and you come in there with all that stuff and they wash it off and cook it up right there or put it in a salad right there. I mean, ain't nothing like that. You know? Yes, sir. You know, I, I was talking to my, my oldest daughter's mother-in-law. She said that, you know, her family was from South Carolina, mm. and she was saying that that she remembered that she was oh she used to be so upset because how long the rules was in the garden and they had to be out of the garden with their family and blah 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 blah. Mama did this and they had to do this. She said she would give anything to have all that back there, mm-hmm. you know, anything because she just didn't realize that it was headed for a change. And when the change came. All that stuff that you thought was so hard to do, so terrible that you had to be involved in it. You give anything for them days, you know, and put it with the taste of that food at that time. You mentioned um, hanging out with a lot of the older folks, and I know we talked about this a lot, from Sleepy John to Yank and Rachel staying with you for a while. And, and but uh, yeah, so being around those guys, um, could you hear different styles of blues? And then also at this time, also a lot of the 
terms we have now, I guess they, I don't think they were really solidified. Like people say Piedmont blues and Delta blues. At, at the time when you were in, in, in the rediscovering stuff, those terms were just coming up. But what what did you think yeah. about the different styles of blues? And what, did, what you know, how do you uh, feel about the different styles of blues? Well, I mean, I just think that's, that's the dominant culture's way of trying to, you know, organize what they see, you know, when they come upon somebody's creativity or inspiration that doesn't come from them, you know, that's the way oftentimes they try to, to uh, define it, you know, swing, bebop, you know, uh, foxtrot, blah, blah, you know, it's, it's a whole compartmentalization way of doing things. I just saw it as music, you know, and music from people in different areas. In different areas, they learn different things. You know, when you, the closer you are to the coast, you see, I mean, other, like, Red Bluffs, you know, there are few, there's some finger pickers, of course, in Mississippi, but they, it's, it's, it's a whole other way. It's a whole other, a whole other hand style. Yeah, that's another thing about it, is that, you know, the first guitars that I really heard were mostly played with guitars played with a pick. But then I heard that sound, and I couldn't figure out how they made that sound. And, of course, it's finger-picking, and it's playing with your raw hand. You know, some people have a thumb pick. Some people have finger-picks. Me, I like my raw hand. Mm-hmm. Me too. You know, that, that way I like it. You know, and then I went all the way back to see playing, you know, in Africa that way. You know, electric guitar, acoustic guitar, Cora, Halam, Duzangoni, Kamalangoni, it don't make no difference. You know, it was all played with natural fingers. So that that, that was something I wanted to do. I never wanted to leave that style because it connected. It was something that we connected and brought over from Africa. For sure. You know, so I wanted to be in that style. But to your point, all these different styles of blues, I, I, I was just interested in that it really put the energy in to categorize them and write pieces on this stuff. I was like, really? <laughs> okay. <laughs> and, you know, then when you try to tell that to, to other black folk, they just, they just call you, you, girl, you ain't going crazy. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know, I mean, first of all, you play that shit and eat music and then you go, and you got a starvation box. You know, but I don't care. I, I, I said, I don't care if I'm the last man on earth. I'm going to play this music. I'm going to listen to this music. I've been all around the world. Bought everything from diamond to gold. No matter where I go or what I buy, I'm still a country boy in my soul. So take me to the country. Nothing but skies and pines. Follow me to the country where we can have a real good time. You have been so influential on uh, on me. I'm sure you know it, and I tell you every chance I get. Because uh, listening to your music, I heard, you know, a lot of the older stuff. And I, you know, see all the inspiration of, you know, Big Maceo and, and Sleepy John and oh, yeah. Rachel and all, all and, and, uh, and uh, Mississippi John Hurt and countless others. But, um... I think, you know, I really, 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 really do appreciate you for that. And, and I know you've been doing this for over 50 years professionally. And, and what kind of changes have you seen from when you started to now in, in just the, in the blues world? 
Well, first of all, in the beginning, there was like a gap between the, the audience that the blues eventually came to. You know, it's just like the classic story is that B.B. King gets invited to play at the, at the I think, Winterland or the Carousel Ballroom or Joel Fillmore out of the California, I think Winterland. And so they drive, the bus driver drives up and pulls up in front of the place and they see all these white kids outside of, you know, waiting in line again. They go, they look, they go, I said, well, maybe this ain't the place. Well, then they go around the block and some of them so finally somebody gets off and goes in and says, uh, we here with the BB King band. Uh, is this the place for us? So, oh, yeah, yeah, pocket bus there, done loaded. And then so he came back and said, yeah, man, this is the place. So everybody looking at each other like, oh, who all these white folk up in here? And found out that he, not only was it there, it was there to see them and knew how to appreciate the music, you know. I mean, it just it just became some of these obscure people who people only knew on records, and people like Sam Charters got involved in it, and Dick Waterman, Dick Spotswood, you know, Globeck, you know, and all these different people that were involved with, you know, Pete Welding, you know, but but a lot of different people were involved with their coming I mean, with life energy to. Uh, see that this music was, you know, brought to the surface. So, you know, more and more and more and people like Buddy Guy and Junior Wells got, you know, noted for what they did and T-Bone Walker got out there, you know, and all the kings were out, you know, and, uh, you know, I just went through that. But I, I saw the music, you know, roll from its, its deep black roots over into contemporary roots into the, the language in part, in part to the dominant culture, you know, the Anglo culture in the United States, you know, became more and more familiar with the roots of the music and that the music was getting presented at colleges and coffee houses and theaters and, you know, uh, uh, performance centers where they could, people could come out and, uh, and enjoy the music, you know. To me, it was very interesting, you know, and, but it, it, the change has been pretty much that, you know, it, it builds itself all the way up to the blues group, you know, where blues is like big business on some levels. They have, you know, lots of different associations and, and there are blues clubs all over the United States. But, you know, there was only a, a small amount of people going to the Newport festivals back in the, in the early 60s and the late 50s, you know, different kinds of things where people like Led Belly, well, in the early 50s when people like Led Belly played at Town Hall. And so, you know, I think that what has ultimately happened has been really good for the music. I think that perhaps there's anything unfortunate is that it still hasn't resonated within the, in the black culture. And I think that's, that's going to change with, with y'all generation. Between, you know, the work that's happened before me and then my work, and then then y'all coming behind me. I think we really gotta we, we create our own music, pass on down. And, and now the earlier people weren't weren't media savvy, and you know now we have the internet, and there's a lot of things that we can do now that that we can do that couldn't be done before. You had to 
with the wreck out there and it just disappeared kind of like off into the, to the ether. You know, now you have more control of what goes on. And then, you know, you move in on some of these platforms and say, hey, we're here. This is what we do it. You know, and you can find us here. You know, and uh, you can you, you, 24-7, 365, you can find us. I just think, you know, it'd be something that's more important culturally. So, and that's how it's going to come in. Now, I've seen uh, you perform, I don't know how many dozen times, and uh, in different settings, too. Man, I appreciate your uh, musicianship, uh, you know, 100%. Uh, so two questions unfold in one. How many instruments do you play, and do you have a preference uh, with band or solo or electric and acoustic? Um, instruments, I know it's, it's past somewhere past 10. Okay. So instruments at least you know maybe it might even be as much as 20 if you you know pull in some small things you know separate some of that but yeah my 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 sacred area is solo acoustic Mm. that's that i am never going to let nobody convince me that i need to let go of that Mm. that is me plugged into the universe and plugged into my ancestors acoustically Pick up an instrument, string vibrates, you know, that just connects you to an infinite amount of ancestral music and culture. Um, I write both for for acoustic and for acoustic electric, and and even sometimes actually solidly electric. I tend to like big box guitars or some body on the guitar. I do feel the vibration of the instrument. But I like all the music. You know, certain times I've, I've uh, you know, worked more in whatever show I have, I do, uh, whatever the, the skills that I have. You know, I, I usually try to have some of that. And, you know, like maybe a couple, two or three songs on a piano, or a banjo song, mandolin song, or not mandolin, ukulele song, six string guitar, you know. I mean, I haven't brought a 12-string in or a lap steel in, but those are things that are coming, you know. I like all the settings, man. I mean, I'm, I see myself more as a, a composer who also is a, a musician, instrumentalist, and vocalist. I mean, in, in shows, when you go see somebody like Lightning Hopkins, like Lightning get up with the guitar, gets, gets on stage with the guitar, plays the set and leaves off the stage with the guitar. He don't play no piano. He don't play no harmonica. He don't do nothing like that. Not that he needs to. But what I started noticing is that when, if you're going to be a young man coming behind those people, you know, maybe you love those songs a lot. Maybe some people in the audience love those songs a lot. But folks go out to be entertained. And I didn't want to get into, you know, a certain kind of entertainment. You know, I didn't want to get into a showtime thing on the stage. I really wanted to play real music in real time. And so then sometimes I move around between instruments and that changes things and makes it, makes it interesting for the person listening to the music. I mean, you know, I can, I can put Jimmy Reed on and replay, you know, <laughs> and let it go. You know, 
Well, okay, everybody can't do that. So they can't listen to high water everywhere over and over and over and over and over and over. Yeah. But I can't. Or, you know, uh, they're not special by Fred uh, Belly. Them capital sessions he did with what's name Howard Griffith on uh, 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 Silver. Mm-hmm. Man, I love that. That crack, that capital record, one of my favorite Fred Belly records. Mm-hmm. Just love the way that the way they recorded the twelve string. It's got all that resonance in it and the way he was singing, you know. I have to check that out. Send me send me um if you don't mind, send me an email of that one. I have to check that one out. Oh yeah, yeah, oh yeah. Oh man. Now I must I must own at least three of them in vinyl. Oh man. I discovered that it has on capital. It's a real nice it looks like almost a um William H. Johnson painting of them. It's better than that. It's real nice painting on the cover. It's just great. Really one of my favorite, 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 favorite Left Belly albums. Yeah, I, I like definitely send that to me. Uh, yeah, I, I, I love, I love Led Belly so, so, so. I like the stuff that him the Golden Gate Quartet did. Yeah, that was, that was. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, and 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 these guys are like these guys are bona fide ancestors that don't be getting no. No shine whatsoever because everybody's so caught up in what's, what's contemporary. And then the kids grow up thinking that that's what it is. Yeah, man, that's what was it. No, 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 no. It's, we bigger than that. We bigger than that. We got more going than that. We have, we're more diversified than, you know, she was a skeezer. I had to please her. Yeah. <laughs> but in the end, I had to leave. You know, <laughs> she was a skeezer. I had to please her, yeah. But in the end, I had to leave her, you know. <laughs> I mean, I ain't mad at you, but that ain't all there is. You're right. You're right. <laughs> you know, man, how would you like to? How would you like to diet of green beans every day? <laughs> You're right. <laughs> only collard greens, you know. I ain't gonna be tough. That's all you know. Oh, that's tough. You know, you know, you have to stop back putting it in them kind of terms for people to get it, you know. Yeah. Well, you know, you know want you some, you know, some smothered chicken up in there, some rice. Yeah. You know, or some, some, you know, some candied sweets on the top. Hey, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you 100%. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, okay. Come on, it, Don't get me started. You know? I'm with you. I'm with you. You're making me hungry. <laughs> Right, and, and, and I mean that's on the side of the plate, and then you got to take a, you know, you know, think about you know, my dinner, the made that that you know, that liver meringue pie, you know, with graham cracker crust. Oh Lord, <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. Oh, oh, got the sweet tea on the table, man. Come man, on. As soon as we get done, I see I got to go back to my folk house. <laughs> <laughs> but um. So the last question, Mr. Taj, is um, who are some of your favorite artists, deceased and living? Uh, oh, man, well, let's say Jimmy I, Reed was sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jimmy Reed. And, mm, and Muddy Waters. Muddy Waters. Muddy Waters. Muddy Waters. Muddy's like, if there was a Mount Rushmore on the blues, you'd have to have, you'd have to have his face up there. Yeah. You know, but so many of them, man, I don't know, I, all the people I, I just, and every now and then, I, I'll, I'll tell you, for years I heard about J.B.'s or Norris, but I didn't hear nothing. And then all of a sudden I caught up, I, I bumped in about, about, about 10, maybe, man, 
seven, ten to ten years ago, I bumped into a whole bunch of his stuff. Man, that cat was killing me. Mm-hmm. He was killing me. Mm-hmm. Alabama. Me, that cat was bad, man. He, and and, and he, had, he had a lot of stuff going for him, man. I mean, I, mean, I still kills me with them zebra stripe, uh, uh, swallowtail tuxedo that he had. Yeah. Man, I mean, oh, man. I mean, and plus, the, the tunes, the way he played his music, really an exceptional person. But, you know, I love, I really love them all, man. I mean, it's, it's like favorite. Anyway, if, I'm, if I was going to, uh, you know, and I, and I was a big Ray Charles fan. Well, I am a big Ray Charles fan. I would say Ray was probably really responsible in keeping the blues in, in, in close to me. Him, Lowell, Lowell Fulsom mm-hmm. later on, you know. I got to see Pepe Dalton, got Stevie Creighton. You know, George Harmonica Smith, you know, Johnny Guitar Watson, Ben Robinson, you know, just all the different players. Whatever it is that they all had to offer, man, I saw them all as great artists, and they had nothing to do with how many records they sold or how many people knew them. They, if they engaged me, man, man, and, you know, I was with them. Okay. You know, I, 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 I got to say that. Albert King is one of my favorites as a guitar player and singer and the songs he put together and, you know, his style is like, you know, I love the Three Kings, but Albert is my man. I yeah. really love it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm rich, I'm rich. And, and, what, uh, you got in the living one? Yeah. You know, the living players right now, I'll, I'll, there's a young boy coming up there in Garrett Davis Willis. They can't do that. He can't do that. He got a bunch of he got a bunch of buddies. One named Mookie, yeah, you know, and oh. another one named Sean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. We got, got Mark Cartwright and Sean McDonald. Yeah, right. Bob, yeah, right. Yeah, Marcus Cartwright. Yeah, man. Yes. I mean, all you, all you, all you youngsters are. are, are a big fun, you know, uh, you know, uh, Alvin Young, Bud Hart, mm-hmm. you know, Kevin mm-hmm. Moe, Davis, you know, uh, to some state more of a song than a blues man, but uh, Dom Flemons, yeah. you know, those are the cats I really see around that's been, that be doing it, you know. Yeah, for sure. And uh, uh, not blues, but still, you know, Rihanna Giddens, you know. Yeah. Uh, again, Pat, uh, guitar, uh, Wilder, she's out here on the West Coast. Uh, she's real good. I mean, that's, that's pretty much what's happening. You know, of the, of the, of the young players that I like. Oh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Roy Gaines. Oh, I'm interviewing him actually, um, for one of these too, and uh, I've been talking. I've been in real close um, conversation with with Mr. Roy, and man, he's so tough. And and and, and this. Oh yeah. Oh man, he he started professionally when he was twelve in nineteen forty nine, and he was like some of his yeah. some of his first shows were with Lightning. Like he his brother Grady was uh, playing behind. I mean, I mean, not actually like backing him, but the, on the bill after. Like now, Hopkins, he was like, man, you know, he got some stories. Yeah, Mr. Mr. Roy is a, is definitely a, a treasure. Yeah, 
Well, Trenzer, man, are you kidding me? You know, he got all that Texas, all that Gulf Coast music, you know, all that. He got all that there. He's the embodiment of that. Nice man, too, man. Real nice man. I met him several different times and then went to his place in Los Angeles when he was trying to put that thing together, you know. But, yeah, he's wonderful. Wonderful, wonderful. Yes, sir. I agree with that. Mr. Todd, I must say, thank you so very much for your time and your wisdom. Would you like to leave with a with a statement or, or any 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 last thoughts? Well, yeah, I think that the blues is the blues all these people are always worried about, oh, there's the blues gonna be living. Oh, what's gonna happen to the blues? Keeping the blues alive, you know, they're playing they're playing low hanging fruit. You got to play everything. The fruit is on the whole tree. And you gotta nourish the roots. You know, it ain't only the roots; it's the trunk, and the branches, and the leaves, and the fruit. So it's like, yeah, I think that we we're in a great place, you know. And that music, I think, is going to grow as a, a younger artist that has never really heard it, but is going to start hearing it, and going to start also start feeling it and realizing that it's an amazing music that we put together to be able to. Help us do some hard times, and now it's helping us do some more hard times. Yes, sir. I agree 100%. Thank you so much, Mr. Taj, uh, for your time and your wisdom. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll talk. But thank you again, Mr. Taj, for being here with us. All right, you're welcome. You're welcome, John Taylor. No, no worries. All right. You have a good one. Now. All right. Do the same. Thank you guys for listening. I hope y'all enjoyed that chat I had with Todd. And I hope you will subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts and share it with your friends. I have some more great interviews coming, so please stay tuned. All right, folks, thank y'all for tuning in. I said, so stop with that foolish talk. It ain't nothing but some mess. I said, stop with that foolish talk. It ain't nothing but some mess. You know the blues ain't dead. He just been taking his rest. Wake up, Mr. Blues. 